Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome back to another season of Talking with Traders with me, Garth McKenzie. This is the sixth season of the podcast, and we're into our third year since the podcast began in 2020. Once again, IG have come on board as sponsor and agreed to fund this podcast for another season. We really are privileged to have such a global leader in CFDs trading as our podcast sponsor. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing various guests from around the globe to bring you their market insights. I'll be digging in to find out what makes them tick, how they see the markets in the year ahead, and what techniques they will use to succeed in the markets. Some of the guests will be returning guests from previous seasons, and some will be new guests that I've managed to convince to join me to give up their time and share their insights. As we enter 2023, there's as much uncertainty as ever around where the markets may be headed in the next 12 months. We've just come off a horrid year for investors in 2022, where a typical 60-40 portfolio delivered its worst annual return in several decades. But what of 2023? Will the US lead the world into a global recession, or will the central banks manage to achieve a soft landing for the global economy? Will inflation come under control as base effects kick in and supply bottlenecks open up? Will US earnings hold up in the face of a weak economy, or will they disappoint? Will we see continued weakness in the US dollar? I'll be asking these and many other questions to my guests in the coming weeks. The idea behind these podcasts is for you to get a variety of views from a broad spectrum of market professionals. None of this is intended to be seen as financial advice, but it is intended to get you thinking and to weigh up what possible paths the market may follow in the year ahead. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified of upcoming episodes as they get released. Once again, thanks to IG for sponsoring this podcast for a third consecutive year. Thanks for joining me, and please enjoy Season 6 of Talking With Traders. Welcome back to another episode of Talking With Traders, and this time I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast a new guest. His name is Rajan Dahl. Uh, He is a friend of mine from here in the UK. We occasionally see each other at the cricket club where our kids play cricket, and we have had the odd uh, pint together with a few mutual friends down in Surrey. Uh, Raj, welcome to the podcast. It's very good to finally get you onto the podcast and to have a chat to you today. No, thanks for having me, Garth. It's uh, great to have another chat with you again. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks very much. Raj, just give us a little bit of background into yourself. Uh, Obviously, you're a new guest onto this podcast and with a lot of the audience of this podcast being based in South Africa, but also globally, um, it's a new face. So just give us a little bit of background into yourself, how you got involved in the markets and sort of in two minutes, the, the progression that your career has followed to get to this point. Yeah, no worries. So I've now been in the markets trading actively for about 13 years. So it's been it's been quite a journey, actually. Um, But, uh, you know, I I came into this industry in a very unconventional way. So uh, I I did my degree in sport and exercise sciences and I got I got a job in a gym that was in the JP Morgan building in uh, in the city. 
Okay. So um, I used to um, do a lot of fitness programs and, and like be, I was a personal trainer and a fitness coach for a lot of the people uh, that worked at JP Morgan and uh, looking after investment managers, traders and stuff like that. And when I started to make a decent bit of money, I used to ask them, you know, well, what, what should I do now with my money? Like, you know, where, where should I invest? What shares should I buy and things like this? And then, um, you know, they used to just give me little tidbits here and there. But then I just like one time or another, there were a few companies that I invested in that made me more money than my job. So then <laughs> wow. I, yeah, so then I, I, I actually just slowly started slowly started to transition and shift over into into trading more and then I, I then because I was still young then I went right the way through the investment industry as well so you know I worked on a trading floor I worked in a news and analysis department um, you know I, I've, I've worked at education companies you know I've, I've worked like right the way through the industry to be honest in that 13 years Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Such an interesting background. And I've often wondered about those kind of people who, you know, are in the, perhaps in the stockbroking community, but doing, you know, the odd jobs, you always think of, oh, the shoeshine guy, the shoeshine yeah. boy, the, the famous thing in the, in the olden days. And they always used to say, well, when the shoeshine guy is telling you what stocks to buy, that's time to get out. But, uh, but, but you also wonder, you know, there's probably a couple of those kind of stories where those guys got the odd tips from stockbrokers and people in the know and actually might have done phenomenally well out of it without uh, without actually being in the limelight so interesting interesting to hear your background but now you trade for a living right yeah. um and you also run the uh trading college in yeah. the uk correct yeah so lee samford he's the owner and managing director of trading college i i joined trading college just like about just a little bit before the pandemic okay. so um I only actually started at trading college working two days a week and, and uh, at the beginning, just purely doing like live running live trading sessions, just giving my view on the market. That was that was literally how that started. So it wasn't it was there was no plan to to kind of like that to go all encompassing or whatever. But when the, when the pandemic hit, trading college just got absolutely manic. Like, um, you know, a lot of people didn't think they were going to keep their jobs. You know, everybody yeah. panic was in the air and everybody was scrambling to learn how to make another living. So they were selling lots of, uh, you know, courses and things like that. And the community was getting bigger. And then that kind of uh, meant that I had to do the job that I was doing two days a week, but just kind of expand it. But then what, what, what we realized is that it was kind of like um, the community needed kind of more servicing and we kind of brought a couple more products on board um you know a kind of basically made the the resource a bit more well-rounded for for the community it made it really more community orientated and uh, it, ba it basically just got got really big and really solid and and you know now i i'm i'm the head of trading there um and you know we, we it's just really fun it's just a really nice nice thing to do really yeah okay very very interesting and that's a, a story that we saw right across the industry i mean i know in my yeah. my subscription business also boomed during the COVID period because suddenly everybody was at home uh, some people lost their jobs some people did want to start trading for a living which at the time i thought was quite a scary prospect for yeah. a lot of people who who had no experience of trading although having said that i mean that that market rallied like crazy after yeah. after covid so i think a lot of those people who got into the market at that stage actually did do quite well yeah. whether or not they've got the skills to keep it up and, and whether they've managed to hold on too much of that money through the, the the bear market of the last year or, or not I, I i somewhat doubt but you know i guess the kind of 
people that are coming to you, coming to trading college are, I, I guess, coming with a somewhat more realistic a- aspirations in terms of what it might take and the learnings that are involved to be successful as a trader. Am I yeah. right? Uh, you're 100% right. So we, we've got about like six or seven strategies that we kind of teach everyone. Some of them are trend following strategies. Some of them are reversal based strategies. You know, like they kind of, they kind of, you know, can mix and match depending on what market condition you're in. So the strategies work, they're, they're proven, they've, they've been going for a very long time. Really what, what my job is, and 90% of my job is kind of coaching people about the mindset of, of, you know, of what you were just talking about really, is the mindset of really, how can you handle yourself in this market? You know, like this is a this is a market full of uncertainty and chaos, you know, or like I kind of liken it to the purge. You've kind of given yourself some rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you stick to those rules? You're the only person that, that can manage those rules and manage yourself. Yeah. You know, every, somebody's going to find one way to do something or another way to do something or whatever on that's going on in the background. So the other thing that's complex about this is that every individual is different so you know all of those different cogs and different bits and pieces we have is finding the right ones for the right person you know and the right lifestyle and then the right pace and then the right you know aptitude and the right personality profile like that that's kind of what the coaching is that that we we try and manage the strategies are the strategies they, they work it's yeah. it's, can, it's can the right person choose the right thing that's right for them and manage themselves while they're doing it that's yeah. the hard part yeah right? yeah yeah fantastic i mean that's similar to the, the way the, the approach that i look at with trading i guess i've got a, yeah. a list of strategies a list of setups i call it um in a playbook which yeah. um your friend and colleague i know Stephen goldstein who's been on this podcast he's big on that on, on the concept of having a playbook um so yeah, I mean, I guess you've got six or seven strategies in the playbook that you refer to, but then if, again, it's it's not just about the strategy; it's about how you how you manage yourself. So to that extent, I mean, what I suppose what differentiates those traders who are successful following your six or seven strategies versus those who are not? Um, I I really, you know, I. Uh, I actually did a I actually did a seminar about this. It was kind of like the top ten things or something like that, or the top five things that I see in common from successful traders that I've coached over the last two three years. Right now, my coaching has changed over the last two three years as well because I go through more psychological development all of the time. Yeah. So you know we're always on the journey, aren't we? Like we always change and twist and turn. Sure. But but I think one of the biggest things is that the pe- the, the the people that can kind of have a lot of self acceptance. So they understand themselves, their mm. strengths and weaknesses. And then they, when it comes to their trading plan, they develop processes around those strengths and weaknesses. Um, but they're just honest with themselves about it. You know, like uh, some people who are too aggressive or, or, you know, too impulsive, if they know that about themselves and then they, they control their risk management very well, you know, that's going to serve them very well. But somebody that finds it really hard to pull the trigger, for example, you know, a very detail-orientated person, you know, a perfectionist, they might just need a checklist to pull the trigger. And as soon as that checklist is done, just go and do it. So, you know, like, uh, if that, I think that self-awareness and that self-acceptance, that's the most important skill for me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and, And just quickly, I mean, in terms of the style of trading that you that you mainly approach these yeah. six or seven strategies. I mean, is it is it day trading? Is it swing trading? Is it position trading? Or what, what does it look like in 
basic terms. Okay, so so within the community, it's both. But me, myself, personally, it's, it's swing trading. So like, I like to hold positions that are doing well for as long as possible. Right. So, um, you know, like, you know, for, for example, some of the positions that I'm holding now, I've got an index position, like a long index position in some in, in a couple of indices, actually. But like, I, I will try and run them for as long as humanly possible. Right. So my average winning trade will, would length, I'll probably say maybe about three months. Sometime. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. You know, and, I, and I'm trying to compound within that within those positions as well. So it's not just one trade. So, um, you know, that so I, I, I want to, I want to really try and maximize my winners. It reduces my win percentage that happens, sure. but it sure. just gives me a good risk to reward. And I'm, I'm a bit of a Zen character, so I can go to sleep having positions on, you know, it doesn't bother me. I, I really don't care. Uh, but what I can't do is day, it is day trade. I'm, I'm not a good day trader. Mm. You know, I, I can't just watch the market move up and down all the time and make decisions really, really quickly and, and you know, think that I can make the right decisions on a five minute chart in the same way that I can on a daily or a monthly chart. I'm not I'm not that guy. So yeah. I have to be honest with myself. I'd love to be a bloody day trader, but but I can't be one. So yeah. so I, I just prefer to swing trade. It's better for my lifestyle. It's better for my stress levels. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I can relate to that entirely because I mean, it's a very similar style that I also follow um, oh, cool. swing swing trading like you. I'm not a day trader. I'm, yeah. it's, I'm just not cut out for it. And I guess, like you said, it's about knowing yourself and it's accepting the type of personality that you are uh, and fitting your trading approach to your personality type. So, I mean, I, I do know of some guys who are very successful day traders and yeah. they're incredibly quick with the buttons to push the buy and sell button and get in and out at the right time and make money out of that. It's very, very all-consuming. Um, and, and also the, the kind of guys that I know who are doing that, that's kind of their personality. They quite like it fast in, in all aspects of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, I guess for yourself and, and, and for me as well, it's just not like that. You, uh, perhaps our personalities are similar in that in that sense that we, you know, just don't like it quite as fast and fast I and furious. So, yeah. And then on the coaching side, like my most successful student has been a day trader. Mm. So, like, we, we bounced off each other in terms of our contrast, like, very well. Like, whereas he was, you know, just too aggressive and then like but not successful but then like when when we quietened it down and you know introduced some rules um and he was able to stick to those rules blindly you know that was when he started to improve because you know he had everything he needed to be to be a good day trader already but he he couldn't control the chaos so then like you know adding the adding the the risk management and the psychological management techniques in there helped him manage that chaos and you know he, he's done he, he's done phenomenally well so oh that's good that's great to hear in terms of risk what do you notice that your best or your most successful traders are typically risking per trade i mean the the old rule of two percent of capital um i mean in my opinion that's often too high what do you yeah. see that as what is yeah I, I, I would agree with you so normally <laughs> on, on a first trade like if we talk about me personally on a first trade where like i really don't care if i'm going to win or lose it um because the, the, it's the initial trade for me that lets me know whether i'm going to be able to compound or keep positioning into a trade over a certain period of time so on, on a first trade where i'm really you know 
like I, I could be honestly 50 50 on a first trade if yeah. i'm honest with you yes um, uh, I'll, I'll be maybe like 0.5 percent risk on that first trade right. yeah but, but if it gets to like a three to one position and i want to add to it that's when i can i can start scaling in but the good thing about scaling in at that stage is you can use the the, the profit or like you've got a bit of a, a cushion from the first trade yeah so like you know my overall win percentage of of my of my trades is not is not very high it's probably about 47 percent or something okay like that. yeah but but when i do win a trade a good trade like i'll get nine to one out of it or mm. you know ten to one out of it so you know that's what i'm trying to, to aim for so yeah 0 0.5 percent is the first first trade that i'll, I'll try and get in Okay. All right. It's interesting what you said there about your winning percentage. And and I find a lot of the traders I speak to, it's kind of similar. And I know I, when I researched my own uh, records of the last year, uh, my number was very similar. It was 46% winners and 54% and losers. Uh, but the winners were, were on average were three times bigger than the losers on average, uh, yeah. which, which, which obviously means that you've got a positive yeah, po positive P&L curve. Yeah, uh, and, and I guess that's it, right? It's it's about keeping the losses small. I mean, I don't know if you ever have thought about, is, is there a holy grail in trading? I don't think there is. But the one thing I will say, if there is, it is that you've got to keep the losses small. Yeah, I think this was the problem during my, my time of working through the industry. So when I went from like a technical analysis, first of all, because I, I studied with the STA and I, and I went quite deep within the Society of Technical Analysis. Yeah. Um, I also then w worked at a, um, a analytics company. Then I also worked at a news company, like a fundamentals, like a proper real-time breaking news company. Yeah. And um, that, to be honest, was, was me trying to get experience from every part of the the corner of the industry to see if somebody knew something that i didn't to be mm. honest mm. Mm. and uh, and really um you know i'm gonna try and put this in the best words possible but when when i used to receive research reports from like some of the best organizations in the world i used to realize then after maybe looking at them and studying them for about a year they were no better or worse than what i was doing myself yeah you know, I realized that, you know, some of my mates were in the city getting paid like 250 grand a year, you know, getting bonuses on their research reports and, you know, their, their, um, their kind of performance level of their analysis. And, um, and I was thinking, well, like then, then, you know, we're, we're looking at 50%, you know, win rates here. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, you know, it, it, that's why I truly believe there is no Holy Grail. The Holy Grail's in here, you know? Yeah. So. Totally. Totally. You mentioned the STA. That's the Society of Technical Analysts. Um, it's a body that's here in the UK. Just tell us a little bit more about that, would you, Raj? Yeah. So, um, you know, when when I first started trading, I, I did something quite amazing that I didn't know was amazing. So this doesn't it's not a lot of money, by the way. It, it, I, I put I didn't know what I was doing. I put two hundred dollars into an account and I turned that two hundred dollars into four thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. And I honestly I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was just taking I, I was taking maybe two trades on a on currency pairs every morning going to work coming back and seeing what happened. Mm. And this was over the course of like three months. And I thought, oh, I, I'm, I'm about to crack this. I'm going to be like a millionaire or whatever. <laughs> um, so then I took two weeks off work 
um, thought I could implore the same process on a lower time frame. lost half the money. So I went down to £2,000, mm. uh, $2,000 rather. And I thought, oh, crap, like this isn't as easy as I first thought. So mm. I spent that $2,000 uh, on the STAs course. Right. So I that so that's how I might in with the Society of Technical Analysis. I thought, well, I need to pay for some education now because it's not it's not as easy as I thought it was. Yeah. And um, you know, I it basically it was just really good networking because the people who I went on the course with, there were some retail traders, some professional traders in banks, like people from all over the place really. And and I got I got to make some good friends and stuff like that in an industry that I wasn't familiar with. Right. And, and that's how it got going. But um as time got on and I was started working in the city, I then learned a lot more about technical analysis and I met some some much better technical analysts than me. And I started to just be able to converse with them and and kind of get in those circles. And just slowly over time, um, you know, I, I was asked to teach on on the, the course at the London School of Economics. So um, <laughs> I was I'm a bit of a generalist. So you know, I, I, I when before I used to use a bit of Elliott Wave. I used to know a lot about the indicators. You know, I'm that person. Whereas if I went to go and learn something like about an RSI or a MACD, I would go and test it 100 times on four different time frames. Okay. Like, uh, like I, I'm a statistical human being, so um, that's what that's what I did. And I, I, I then just basically when I was teaching for the Society of Technical Analysis, I taught a little bit of GAN theory. Right. I taught a bit of Elliott Wave theory. I taught a little bit about different chart types, like, you know, Renko, Kagi, you know, candles, you know, just little things like that. I taught a little bit about market profile and auction theory. Um, but but really, you know, from my point of view, like price is price, you yeah. know? Yeah. Everything else is a derivative of price. Yes. You know? That's it. Price is king, and uh, right. and all of those other things you write, stochastics and RSIs and MACDs and everything else. It's all secondary. Um, price is the main thing that you watch, and I guess that's what the, the 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 path we all go through, right? As you go through, you think that more indicators are going to help you, and the more you can learn, the better, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you come back to the point where you sort of say, "Yeah, well, all of that's good to know, but actually." Um, the mental game of trading is really where it's at. And that's what you should really focus on more than anything, because all of those indicators, you know, they only get you so far, but it's your mental game that's really going to help you or not, not help you. Yeah, correct. I think for me, the indicators only really started to help when you start to systemize or automate the process, you mm -hmm. know? That's that's when they'll that's when they'll really start to help. Like um, you know, the stuff that you know Lee's done at trading college um you know is he, he knows that you know some of this you know atr based systems and you know like that he knows it works yeah <laughs> so to, to simplify it for somebody who's new um you know he that's why he's developed the systems you know yeah. and, and they're easy to follow and you know what i mean if you follow them and you can you can control yourself and have discipline you'll be fine yes that, that's why he's developed them and it, it's, it's proven to work so but yeah like you said it is you know once you get that side down i i think of of trading like to have kind of three really strong pillars so you need to have your money management down like mm. it, like really if, if you don't have capital or you lose your capital or you're a gambler or whatever it is you know you're not going to last long in this game sure then the second thing I think is is this, your trading system is is how you manage your trading systems, and then the last one is the psychology. I think the mix of those three it changes like kind of all of the the time depending on where you are, but you know they're, they're the three most important things for for me. When, mm. so yeah, and that's just like three legs of a table, isn't it? You have to have all three yeah. of them standing up sturdy, else it falls over.
What about a daily routine, Raj? It, it, I, I'm quite big on this, but I want to get it from you. Uh, do you have a specific yeah. daily routine that you follow when you're doing your analysis before the market opens and then during the day and then after the trading session's finished? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big like end of day man. So like basically the close of a session, like depending what equities I'm looking at is very, very important. So um, because I, I swing trade, um, when when the kind of, you know, the candlestick sticks close, so to speak, that that's the most time where I'm I'm getting a lot of my, most of my information for the for the following days and whatever. So because I'm in trades for, like I said, you know, three, three months or so, um, you know, the execution time is not the most important thing in the world for me. Yeah. So, like, you know, every evening at about eight or nine o'clock, I'll come to the charts and see how the US session is going to close and kind of, you know, I might do the same thing if I've got time at 4.30 p.m. when, when it's the UK session close as well. Mm. But but that that's kind of what's planning for me. I'll already know um, because of my scanners and stuff what sectors or what stocks that I'm looking at um, that are going to break out next, you know, mm. I'll, I'll already know that. So I'll go, I'll go through my list and see which ones have actually done it at the end of the, at the end of those sessions. Yeah. 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 Okay. And journaling, is that something that you do? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm massive on journaling. Yeah. So the, the, the biggest thing that changed my trading, my personal trading actually was my journaling because um, and it will be, it was one specific thing. So what I did was, is I started to write the confidence level of, of the trade. Mm. And, um, I used to think, well, you know, if I was really confident about a trade, you know, maybe I should back it more or whatever. No, like if I, if I followed the system and my confidence was like, you know, really low, mm. they would still win. <laughs> you know, and the ones that I was really confident about, like above 75% that I yeah. followed my system with, most of the time they weren't winning right so it was literally just just don't listen to what's going on in your mind follow the system and the numbers will average themselves out over a long period of time right so it's, it's never about any one trade it's about like your next hundred you know yes. how, how are they how are they gonna go and it was the journaling that showed me that because the ones i was really confident about weren't winning yeah, yeah. It's fascinating you say that because I've often found that as well. You can get a setup and you think, well, this looks like an A plus setup. Uh, get, you know, this one's going to really work. And, and th sometimes those ones that they're almost too obvious, they don't work. Um, and, the, and the less obvious trade setups sometimes do work better. Like you say, I guess you've got to just take every trade if it applies to the system, take every trade, manage the risk, and the winners should take care of themselves. And you've got to make sure the losers are kept small. Yeah, correct. And I think like also when we had this uh, <laughs> this downturn in the equities markets recently, you know, I still had some good stocks. Like I was in some energy stocks. I was in Glencore, you know, a couple of good miners and things like that. Mm. But it was it was that confidence thing that taught me that like because I was looking at those stocks thinking like they, my system was telling me to trade them and I was looking at them thinking yeah but should I really be buying stocks now like look at look at what's going on in the indices look at the general investment sentiment and if I didn't buy them I would have I would have been screwed my performance would have been a lot worse yeah I bought them with really low confidence but they actually saved my portfolio right so like if i if i hadn't done the journaling work beforehand to learn not to listen to my stupid brain sometimes <laughs> you know I, I wouldn't i wouldn't have been able to buy like bp and uh, and glencore you right. know? 
I mean, yeah. I, I lost some trades along the way, but those two sure. really helped me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, like you said, with the win rate of forty six percent, you're yeah. going to have some losers. We we know that going into yeah. into every trade, that one of the possible outcomes is that it might be a loss. On that, I mean, trading can be a, quite an emotional roller coaster, yeah. ups and downs. Big, uh, yeah. It, I suppose when you're experienced like your level now, maybe you get on top of the emotions better. But I know from watching younger traders, more inexperienced traders, they experience exuberance when things go really well and they can get overconfident. And then on the other hand, when things go bad, they can go really bad and they can get really down in the dumps and, and depressed. How do you manage the ups and downs in trading? Uh, let's just say, for example, when you go through a, well, both, let's say you go through a nice winning patch and you're feeling like the king of the world. What do you do to level yourself at that stage? And vice versa, when you've had a tough time, you've strung a couple of losing trades together, what do you do then to, to lift yourself up? Yeah, so I always only evaluate my book every 20 trades. Okay. So that, that's the first thing I do. I'll, I'll never, you know, I'll never be overly confident or, or you know, I, I like, like really beat myself up unless I've got the results from my last 20 trades. Yeah. Right. So I always do 20 trade blocks. The other thing is, is that from my trading, um, I, I actually only pay myself every three months. Okay. So, um, and I also try and live, live, um, six months forward kind of thing. Yes. Like, okay. So, so if anything does go wrong, you know, I've got a bit of a buffer, you know, yes. in, in so, so coupling those two together, that, that automatically keeps you grounded. I, I think, yes, because you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, you're, you're trading now for six months time. So yeah. that's the first thing. Mm. Then you're sitting there thinking, well, 20 trades worth of data is going to tell is going to tell you, especially in stocks, it's going to tell you whether you're performing good or bad. Yeah. Um, and I and like the the bad thing about <coughs> about trading the way that that we trade is that you know, like when trends end, there's a big lagging effect, isn't there, of how long you're still trying to get long in? Yes. Yes. And and like you know what what I have to do is I have to accept that, you know, I'm only going to catch like 60, 70% of that money in that trend. Right. Like, because I'm always leaving something on the table because yeah. I don't know whether that trend's finished or not at the end. Yeah. That's the hard part for me. That that yeah. for me is a killer. But I think that's just, um, I think that's just part and parcel of the way that I trade. I don't yeah. think any any other process that I can make I, for that. I, I, no, correct. I mean, I think all of us know, certainly I, I speak from experience and I say that knowing when to sell is the hardest part of trading. Right. Yeah. Getting a good entry can do that. Execute a stop loss easy. Knowing the right time to sell so that you're not leaving too much on the table or that you're um, not going to give, you're not, not having given back too much of the profit that you'd made. That's the hard part. It's yeah, so one of the hardest thing. Annie Duke is the best for this because she said that, you know, when she went in to see hedge funds, and, and do analysis with them that they found out that they, they were losing more money taking profit than they were in their losing positions because they <laughs> would take profit early right so yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the case with me as well i think the thing is as a retail trader as well is at some stage or another like you you, you need to bloody pay yourself yes you know, you know, we're not like infinite hedge funds or investment managers or whatever. Like, so yeah. we can't just leave these positions for like years and years and years and not actually take any profit from them. There's yeah. no point in this job otherwise. Yeah. 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 Um, that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like even with margin requirements and stuff. So like what, what, what I started to do was like, um, like, like, cause I told you I pay myself every three months, I'd like kind of collapse everything. And then whenever I, I there were positions that I still believed in or whatever, I, I would just like reopen them again. Mm, you know, okay. Like, um, you know, and I know it's a bit stupid because you pay costs to do this, but I actually like for my brain and my soul, it, it was worth it. There was, yeah. there was a benefit to it rather than just, you know, infinitely leaving a position on for that long. So, yeah. Okay. So interesting. I, you've kind of answered the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I get asked this question a lot. Um, people come to me and say, can you actually make money? Can you trade for a living? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to ask you that question and hear what your answer is. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think the issue that a lot of people have with this is that it's not what they're expecting and not what the world has taught them that it's going to be. And, you know, it's not like the glitz and glamour of what, you know, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. It's really just not like that. Yeah. So like my, my trading is purely based on probability all of the time. And it's so slow. It's so boring. And like that, that's the reason why I'm in the trading college community, because I've gone full time to trade on my own by myself in my house twice in my life. Yeah. And I hated every minute of it, you know, like I, I, I would, you know, keep positions on that would stay on for two or three weeks. And I'd like what be like listening to a podcast, reading a book, going to the gym. Like it, it was boring as hell. Like, and that yeah. sounds like heaven to some people and it yeah. might be for like a month, but it's actually not. <laughs> it really isn't. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you definitely can do it. But I would basically think of like how um, how your lifestyle is going to fit in with this before you go ahead and 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 work that out. Um, yeah. The other thing is is that um, realistic expectations. You know, like yes. you know, the, if if you're in this to to kind of like be a millionaire, you know, think of the risk that that takes. Yeah. You know, and then also the time that it's going to take to to learn to learn to do that. Like, you know anybody can get lucky you know like a, a child can come on the screen and click the buy button and the stock could go good you know what i mean you mm. know a monkey could do it you know yeah, like yeah. studies on that you know random yeah. wall street haven't they yes but the thing is is that to to keep repeating that process with good sound money management that's what a monkey can't do yes you know what i mean so yeah. like, we've got to find that that balance of not over leveraging yourself making this fit your lifestyle and then also being very realistic, like I think you know those things are fine. But for within our <laughs> our trading college community, you know, I, I at least you know I, I've, I've trained hundreds now, hundreds of coached hundreds of people, and like I've got like at least thirteen, fourteen people that have left their jobs to go full time. Really? Okay, that's very very encouraging to hear. Oh yeah, the yeah, there's loads. Yeah, there's and there's there's people that are actually currently doing that now, you know, with with us now. So, you know, and there there is just so many great programs, uh, you know, to to do this on, and you yeah. know, it's it's just it's do your due diligence, you know. It's hard, it's hard out there, isn't it? Oh yeah, oh yes, no, it is. Look, they say it's a hard way to make an easy living. So, <laughs> yeah. um. I want to find out a little bit more about trading college uh, as we get towards the end of the podcast, because you, you've given us some insight into it, but I mean, give yourself a plug, give trading college a bit of a plug because it's, 
yeah, there are a lot of people out there wanting assistance, wanting education, wanting mentorship who will be listening to this podcast. Um, tell us about what you do and how the listeners can can get in touch. Yeah, so there's two kind of main programs. So there's one which is called the PTC. So that's kind of like the Pro Trader course. So that's a 12-month program where people just come in, you know, they, they get like all the videos and all of the strategies and they've got access to the community but they have to kind of you know uh twist and turn and work out what's going to work for them on their own yeah mm, yes um it's it's linear the courses so you're going to go through it and then obviously decide so you know it's it, it's definitely very very comprehensive is but it hands-on that while you're learning you're trading as well yes Not? Right. Yeah, okay. correct. Yeah, because the, in the live trading room sessions, they do like we do a live European Open every single morning. Right. So um, apart from Fridays, so you're, there's basically you're gonna learn from the coaches or the the people that are trading professionally, like how they are looking at the markets every single day. Right. Uh, and I look after those coaches, so it's a lot of pressure on them actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but they you know they do a good job, and it, it's been going very well for a long time. Uh, and then the mentorship is a little bit different because this is where it gets really personalized. So um, in the mentorship, we do like a personality profile. Right. So we work out, um, you know, the person's, um, you know, like a disc profile. So what, you know, like what, whether they're analytic, yes. you know, active or, you know, stable or outgoing, you know, we, we work yeah. that out. And then we tailor the, the kind of trading around that. And then basically based on their life and their commitments as well. Yes. <laughs> Throughout that whole time, the coach is then kind of like watching over them to basically see, uh, you know, how their psychology is performing versus what their goals are. Yeah. And then they're trying to mix and match with, with that to get that done. Now that the, obviously the success rate is very high on that, mm. but uh, there's obviously cost. It's more expensive, right? Sure. Yes. So what I try and say to people who are on the PTC program is that when you come to the live trading room, you know, ask all of the questions you possibly can. You know, when you are in the chat room, when yeah. we're there talking, you know, just utilize that space as much as humanly possible. But, you know, with the mentorship, you know, you get, you know, two two sessions with a, a coach every month. You know, we also do a, a, a once a month uh, uh, live uh, like day in in London or in Twickenham, yeah. So um, you know we see the people who are mentorship every single month as well in person, right? So uh, so it's it's very comprehensive that one is right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But but yeah, it's just uh, you know it's it's a really strong program. When I when I left the when I left the city, um, th there were only like there was only two companies or three companies in the whole of the retail space that I was ever going to work for. Yes. So you know, I just, you know, a lot of these training companies, I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, they have such bad reputations and I've heard people who have tried them and, you know, not, not, not work for them. Yeah. And then also at trading college, we have people that come to us from many other training organizations where they failed as well. So I know what it's like out there, but um, you know, it's, it's just nice to land somewhere where, you know, you have a good ethos mm. and we're just honest with people. You know, we, we say to, we say to people, look, these are the win rates. If you've got, if you've got a 50% win rate at a two to one risk to reward, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You know? yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You lose 50% yeah. of your trades, but you're making more money when you win. Like be happy. Yeah. yeah you're doing well. 
Yeah. Whereas yeah. there's other places they say, no, we win 90% of our trades. You know, we, we, you know, we do this. I'm like, no, you know, it's not yeah. realistic, you know? Uh, no, and if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Exactly. And we're not yeah. like that. Like we try to be as open and honest with everyone. Yeah. Uh, every Sunday night I do, uh, I do, uh, it's a stock scan club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, I, I'll, I'll post maybe like five positions, you know, that I'm in. Um, but also like a list of like 20 stocks that have come up on my radar. Right. So um, there's one guy who's in our, he, he's been with us for a really long time. He opens a, de- he, he's got a demo account right. and he takes every trade okay. just to see how they all go. Yes. So he started this, this demo account with $10,000. Yeah. And I think at the moment it's up at $780,000. Like, obviously nobody's going to be able to afford that margin to hold every single yes. one of those stocks. Yeah. But like that, you know, we do funny things like that in the communities, like, because, you know, I say to them, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen next. This, this, this stock has just come up on my radar. It's, you know, my scanners picked it up. I like the look of the chart. This is what's going on with it. You know, let, let's see if it's going to work. You know, yeah. uh, the, the CEO could come out tomorrow and tell everyone he's committed fraud. Like we, we don't know, you know, yeah, yeah. But that, that's out of our control. But what, what we are going to do is over a certain period of time over the last, you know, two, 300 stocks, we can measure what the performance is like. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. Yes. You know? And we, we, we all know that we're very honest with each other about that. So, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a wonderful community. Yeah, it's good. So, so how can can listeners get in contact, or where can they find out more information? Yeah, so just a website is tradingcollege.co.uk. Okay. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, and things like that. So, you know, that, that that's just generally the easiest way. I should be really more active on social media, but to be honest, I find it quite hard, like because mm. you know I, I just can't be dealing with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just. Yeah, it can become quite all-consuming. I, I know. I mean, same same boat. I should also be more active on social media than what I am. And yeah. I, I always kind of think, yeah, I'm going to get on it. But it, it, you get busy. And I suppose if, you're, if your passion is trading and looking at the markets, that's your passion. And if, it's, if your right. passion is not sending out tweets or Facebook uh, posts, <laughs> it's it. hard that's to do thing. something if you're not that passionate about it. And you know, like I get, I get like a lot of people. Like when I was in my younger days, and I was like very, you know, like very deep into technical analysis, and like a lot of people would question it. I would like get quite defensive about it, but but now I just, I just don't care, yeah. you know. Like because t- to be honest, if it if it doesn't work for you, and that's what your opinion is, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like mm. just go go on with your life. I'll go on with mine. Yes, this is working for me. Like it's fine. I don't have to argue with you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of I don't know. It's just maybe maybe I've just get, I've just given up on being bothered with people like that. But uh, I think, I think it's it's called it's called maturity. I think as we get older, we just realize yeah, you don't have time for some nonsense. Yeah, def- definitely. And also, you know, I know some you know some great fundamental analysts. I know some great economists. I know some great technical analysts. Like you know, I I like the variety. I yes. I really really do. Like yeah. I still have a view, some like a like a a fundamental view on like what's going on with the inflation or what's going on with the world. Like you know what I mean? Yes. It affect my trading decisions, yeah. but I, I still like to think about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's well, it? Strong opinions, loosely held. Correct. I can't remember who said it, but I like that saying. Yeah, because because you have to be open minded. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do, and absolutely anything can happen in the in this game. You never know what the next move is exactly going to be. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. If we did, we wouldn't need risk management and stop losses and all that, would we? Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I remember, like a few uh, before, um, you know, Putin went mental and you know went invaded Ukraine. Um, like my friends were writing their research reports in in investment banks about their their yearly view. Yeah. And then literally that happened like two a month or two months later, right? Yes, yes. They all had to rip them up and start again. Yeah. You know? And that's the unpredictability, isn't it? That, yeah. They're the variables that we're we're trading against. Well, that's it. I mean, I sometimes feel for those analysts that have to make a forecast for the end of the year. You know, we've just seen it now at the start of 2023 and you get all the big organizations putting out their year-end target for the S&P 500. Yeah. I mean, the, the the targets are so far apart. You, you, you know... <laughs> you could you could fly a, a three a, a Airbus A three eighties through the, the the spread, um, and you kind of think it's a bit pointless, really. Um, yeah. You know, because you can't tell a year ahead what's going to happen. You just have no idea, but you can, as a trader, look at the price action now, see what the market's doing now, and adapt your behavior according to what the market feedback is now. And I think that's what matters as a trader. Yeah, trying yeah, to make correct. a forecast a year out was a bit pointless, actually. <laughs> correct, because it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if at, if by the end of the year they they kind of cut rates again and kickstarted QE. That yeah. would, you know, it's not it's not the cards. Nobody's talking about it. Really. But it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me because yeah. you know they, something could happen where they could be backed into that corner to make that happen again. Yeah, yeah. That's just a variable, like, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. We're just going to roll with the punches, yeah. Totally. All right, Raj, well, we've come up to the end of our time. So uh, it's been awesome speaking to you. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. And, uh, and, and listeners, if you're interested in Trading College and what Raj does there, you mentioned the website to tradingcollege.co.uk. That's where you can get hold of Raj and the team. Um, and that's it. That's the end of this podcast, Raj. Thank you very much. It's been no, super. Thanks for, having me. thanks for coming. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Brilliant. Thank you. No, cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.